Well, how I welcome a friend, a new friend, with a big smile, uh, Stephen <laughs> Nyland. And uh, Stephen, you've got an amazing story of your life and your heart. And I'm, I'm really excited to be able to share that with our friends today. But welcome to our little podcast, Stephen. Thank you, Randy. I, I'm, it's an incredible joy, blessing, and honor to be here. Uh, let me tell you a little bit more about Stephen. He is a full-time street preacher of Frontline Street Ministry in Grand Rapids, Michigan, a ministry he founded a decade ago. He's also the veterans chaplain for Equine Assisted Development of the Great Lakes. We're going to talk to him a little bit more about that. That one that was kind of puzzling to me, that statement. <laughs> he uh, is sent out as an evangelist by the Reformed Evangelistic Fellowship and is a member of Harvest Orthodox Presbyterian Church. He says he's the joyful, I hope that's 100% of the time, a joyful husband <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> of the beautiful Jessica Nyland and the proud father of four wonderful daughters, one through adoption, and the grandfather to three grandsons. Awesome. You can find him in various contexts in the streets of Grand Rapids as he is in his, his team, evangelized minister and disciple in the public square and herald the glad tidings of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh, I love that. So again, welcome, Stephen. So good to have you with us. This, this Yeah. yeah. What a wonderful introduction, if you don't mind me saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's, just, let's just get the one big question out of the way, and then we'll get into stuff that's more serious. All right. We talk about a veteran's chaplain. Now, you're a veteran. You're in the Army. Yes, sir. For six years, basically, uh, some of that was um, after. In, in, what was that? The, the total number of years. How did that work out? The total number would be eight, a six okay. and two. Six years active, two years okay. on call or inactive. All right. So after leaving, you became a chaplain, I assume. Um. No, I actually became a chaplain through. Uh, it was through equine assisted development, and uh, and I had all the. Uh, I had all the equivalent of experience uh, to become a chaplain through their program. So okay. um, not a chaplain through the army or the military. Yes. But when I got out, I, I was a believer just at the end. I became a believer just at the end of my time in service. And Deb, the owner of Equine Assisted Development of the Great Lakes, started a veterans program called Comanche Project. Okay. And, uh, and she was praying for a chaplain. She, she'd known me for years. And we sat down, and she she thought if if you're if you've been ministering in the streets at this capacity, um, then I'd love to ask if you would like to be the chaplain for Comanche Project. And she said, I don't uh, I don't know much about the military. I said, Well, I don't know so much about horses. So <laughs> uh, we came together, and uh, and the Lord has just been doing great work with it ever since. So you work with veterans that need some sort of help, I imagine, and you use horses to do it. Is Absolutely, that yeah. You got you got to explain that. You got to unpack that just a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Um well the 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 best the best way I can describe it is so my mission, my goal. Yeah. Now this isn't only Comanche Project's goal. Uh they offer hope, healing, uh and therapy through the horses for okay. free to all veterans. Okay. Um and and many other people actually, but uh but for me, my specific mission, my goal as the veterans chaplain is to uh, connect veterans uh, with the gospel, with Jesus, uh, through the horses. Uh, one way that I do that is through Psalm 33. Psalm 33 says, uh, um, 
Blessed is the name whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen for his heritage. And it says, the Lord looks down from heaven and sees all the children of man. From where he sits enthroned, he looks out and he uh, uh, he fashions all their hearts and he observes all of their deeds. Um, initially, that's a, that's actually pretty pretty fearful, pretty scary that God observes all of our deeds and knows our hearts. Sure. Well, then the psalmist continues and says, uh, the king is not saved by his great army. The war horse, uh, sorry, the warrior is not saved by his own strength. And the war horse is a false hope for salvation. And by its great might, it cannot rescue. But trust in the Lord, hope in his steadfast love, and your soul will be delivered from death. Hmm. Um, and my goal is to show the might of the horse, but it is also to show that the horse cannot provide ultimate hope. It cannot save your soul from death. It's mighty, um, but it cannot save your soul. And so uh, so the horse is created by God to, mm. to point us toward the creator and then to point us toward the creator who observes all of our deeds. A horse can reflect our uh, emotions in therapy very well, but it is the Lord through his law and, and his, his gospel that reflects uh, the sinfulness of our hearts and our ultimate need and our need for him mm-hmm. and our ultimate hope is only found in Jesus. When we see that God through the horse uh, reveals and observes all our deeds, we go, Lord, you've made this beautiful creature and yeah. you certainly see me. How am I to be made right with you? The horse can't do it. Although it's a tool you use to open my eyes to how amazing and awesome you are. Mm-hmm. How do I get to you, Lord? And so I get to say, well, it's, it's through mm-hmm. Christ. It's through the life, death and resurrection of Jesus and when we trust in Christ, uh, when we're not simply only hoping in the horse, but we're hoping in the one who made the horse, mm-hmm. uh, then we have reconciliation, forgiveness of sins, life ever- everlasting, and we can start our path to healing, uh, truly true healing, where beauty will uh, come from ashes in Christ alone. So uh, e- even 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 as God would have it, uh, Jesus himself mm-hmm. humbled himself as a man and rode on a donkey. And yet he will be returning on a white horse. That's true. Uh, judging the living and the dead and to save all of his people. So there's That's interesting. Uh, yeah. there's lots of scripture references to the horse. That's true. And so I get to use that <clears throat> as the pivotal point okay. uh, to bring veterans to Jesus. Well, that's so, cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you, you mentioned it's in passing that you came to faith in Christ toward the end of your time in the army. How'd that come about? Just briefly, how did that happen? Yeah, Um. So I had one deployment to Iraq. I was a 19 Delta Cavalry Scout. I did reconnaissance. Okay. Um, I had one deployment to Iraq from 07 to 09. Um, that went well. We were gearing up for a second deployment. This would have been to Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and my my uh, time of service was going to end practically on the day that we were going to deploy. Okay. So as I was training for this deployment, I was an unbeliever. And God, by his grace, um, while I was on leave during the, the training for this deployment, Mm-hmm. Uh, I had broken up with my girlfriend who praise the Lord is my wife. Now uh, <laughs> with great joy. I get to say that he gave me Jessica and he gave me Jesus. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so as I, as I dumped her, essentially we broke up and uh, as I was leaving her house, the Lord by his sovereign grace, um, uh, I had pulled over and said some few choice words to her as if I owned her yeah. and, uh, and the Lord in that moment, um, I remember dropping the phone. It was a sort of a blackout experience. It's the best way I can describe it. The Lord in his grace uh, convinced me of my sin before a holy God, 
Wow. My misery without God as my father, my need for a righteousness that was not my own, Jesus, and, and my need for a comforter, uh, the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I saw myself in my sin, my misery and my need. And I remember feeling the weight of guilt on my soul that I deserved hell, the literal hell that Jesus speaks of. I deserved God's righteous justice and wrath. I deserved his awful goodness. <laughs> um, and uh, And in that moment, um, God also worked in me, causing me to be born again. He gave me the the saving graces of repentance and faith. Wow. And I turned from my sin in that moment. I clung to the Lord. My my foolish heart uh, turned to flesh. My blind eyes were opened. Uh, my mind was relieved. And I was no longer a slave to sin, Satan, in the world. But, um, but I was the Lord's. I was uh, his child. I was born again to a living hope, one that was undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for me um, as the Lord uh, caused me to be born again. And uh, I picked up the phone immediately, called Jessica, um, and I said, this is what has happened. I'm a believer now. <laughs> and she uh, she said in, in a good uh, veteran's uh, terminology, she said, that's horse poop. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, and I don't blame her. I don't blame yeah. her. You know, she, didn't such believe a, you. she didn't believe you. Not at all. Such a heathen was I. Such a sinner was I. Uh, the saying is trustworthy, Randy, and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I was chief. Okay. And because God saved me uh, from that moment, I did, I could not and did not stop evangelizing and speaking about the goodness of God. How old, As, were, you? How old were you when that happened? What was your age? I was, uh, that was 2011. I think I was 24. Okay. Um, yeah. And then, uh, so I didn't deploy. Uh, I, I felt that I was supposed to get out. And so, when I went back to my unit, uh, surprisingly to them, because I was one of, I, again, I was the chief sinner. Sure. Um, they went, who are you? Um, and I'm just like, I'm a new creation. And you, you need to, you need to hear about uh, this good gospel, this good news. And, uh, and my evangelism essentially just became inconsistent with, with my unit. And I didn't see that it would mesh well. Sure. A couple of soldiers uh, came to know Christ through that. That's wonderful. Uh, wonderful. Immediately and over the years. And uh, and so uh, it was it was a delight to kind of get into the chaplaincy so many years later. Um, okay. yeah. I was through the avenue of the street preaching. So so, so just so, so, again. So for clarity, you basically it wasn't that you were in a church and went forward to receive Christ. It wasn't a, a TV preacher. It wasn't radio. You obviously <laughs> knew the facts about your sin. Yes, you'd been taught that somewhere along the way. I I presume or not, or maybe you're. Your girlfriend at the time, your current wife, yeah, I mean, it, told, told you those things. How, how did you know? Yeah. The, how did you know the gospel prior to that time? Yeah, it was a little bit of both. Um, in one sense, uh, Romans tells us that all men know that God exists. Yeah, that's He's right. He's given Romans us a conscience. One. Yep. yep. And it, yeah, in our heart of hearts, we know. So, in one sense, I, I always, I always knew um, who God was. Um, but I didn't have any fear of him in my in my mind, you know. Okay. Um, so so I always I knew I was a uh, that I was in need of something, I guess. Sure, and I would sure. have even said that I was a traditional Christian, but but I remember my my uh, mom, some coworkers, my great grandmother, people who had prayed for me for years. Yeah. No one was really explicitly okay. uh, sharing the law and the gospel with me, um, but it was it was certainly there to where like I. I, I knew enough to have rejected it from people who tried to share it with me before. Um, but really by God's supernatural grace, 
he opened my heart up. And, and thereafter, I could think in the past and go, well, this person really did try to at least share with me who Jesus okay. was sure. and my sure. need for him, you know? So yep. I had yep. sprinkles of it throughout growing up, but uh, all my motives to go to youth group were wrong. And, you know, and uh, I was very annoyed by uh, the the preachers in the workplace that I, I didn't need to hear that. God, sure. I, of course I was saved. I didn't need to hear yeah. about Jesus. You know, you're annoying. I get away from me. You know, um, I was very annoying to me. And, uh, wow. uh, I wasn't a believer. <laughs> so uh, Jessica's initial reaction was not real believing of you, but obviously she you convinced her over time, and you've been married now for a number of years, and you've yeah. got four yeah. daughters and three grandsons, which is awesome. That's great. Yeah, yeah. That's the Lord, exciting. by his grace, would save Jessica as well and then reunite us uh, under his headship and foundation and then uh, bring us together in marriage. So uh, the first convert that I ever had essentially, uh, was going to be my wife. Um, oh, and so she, wasn't a, she wasn't a believer yet. Okay. She All was right. a professing believer, but oh, no, she, she wasn't truly, uh, yeah. born again. So I totally not just it. a great work. <laughs> no, I mean, I was raised near where you live and where you're from. As we were talking before we started recording in the yeah. Southeast side of Grand Rapids. And I went to Christian school, went to, went to church twice on Sunday, catechism once a week. And, but I'm not sure I was born again until my dad's job moved us to Wheaton, Illinois. And I went wow. to Wheaton Academy, a high school. And there I really clearly heard the gospel and that totally changed my life. And again, I, that was, you know, more than 50 years ago, probably 60 years ago now. Wow. He and, will hold you fast. Uh, and I have no, re do you have any regrets about the decision you made? Uh, it's, it's, it's a rhetorical question, Stephen, but I'll ask it anyhow. Any regrets about the decision? Not at all. <laughs> so since or rather then, I have no regrets about the decision God made to love me first. <laughs> oh, isn't that amazing? That is so good. Well, you're, you're, you're quite a bit like my, my wife, Marcia was raised in the church in Illinois and, and she came to faith in Christ her freshman year of college, and she never qu has quit sharing the gospel with others. And that sounds like it's kind of your story a bit, too, isn't it? Yeah. You love sharing the gospel. Dude, That's I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, what, what about it do you love? Talk to me about that. What, what, what is it that inside that it just, that is just the most fun? What, what is it? Can you explain it a little bit more? I, I would say what gives me the most joy in it is it's the love of Christ that compels me. Um, truly, truly, when I dwell upon God's holiness, there is a fear of the Lord, right? A concern for neighbor, yes. um, because as we're dead in sin. Um, but but when you read again, going back to Romans one, that the gospel is salvation yeah. um, for all who believe it's the power of God. Mm -hmm. um, by grace, I have been saved, but by grace, I can tell others the 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 weight is not on my shoulders to to save somebody. Um, but the joy is mine to deliver. They're, they're glad tidings. Mm -hmm. And while there is a, you know, un, un, I don't want to say unfortunately, according to God's holiness, there is a result, right? A consequence for our sin. The wages of sin is death. Yes. Um, God's wrath is, um, it abides on us without Jesus. So in one sense, there's a really, um, uh, the, the, the depth of, of um, of God's justice and the depth of our sin before a holy God, um, uh, that concerns me. 
right? Um, a holy concerning. Um, and and it, it makes me mourn. Um, for everyone I share the gospel with, I'm mourning as well if they're, they've not received it. Mm. Um, but that black backdrop, if you will, is what makes the glory of the gospel so great to proclaim. Mm -hmm. Because it's by God's grace, through faith, in Christ that we're saved. And it's not of ourselves. No man gets to boast. Mm -hmm. But we get to joy. We get to rejoice in all things. And so it is, it is an incredible thing to see God reach where we can't. He puts his hands into the hearts of men yes. and he changes them and causes them to become new creations. So when I dwell on the, the, the amount of God's love and grace for me, mm. oh man, it just gives me such joy. And, and, and not just justification by faith alone, but a personal relationship with the living God, brother. Like yeah, yeah. we know God personally. Uh, the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens and the earth. That is and so we get true. to ascribe to him. I mean, yeah. it, it's so tempting as Americans to say, okay, the reason I'm not happy is I need this next thing. You know, this next thing that I'm going to buy or some more yeah. money or oh. some more toys <laughs> or vacation or it's never enough. It's yeah. never enough. Uh, you know, St. Augustine said our hearts are restless Thou hast for thyself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless till they find the rest in thee. And yeah, amen. It's the only thing that can meet that need. I like I like Psalm 1611, where it says it's in your presence. It's yeah. fullness of joy. of joy. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right. Oh, man. Yeah. Fullness of joy forevermore. Like, the uh, search is over, baby. The search is over. God's got God, God found us. That's it, brother. That's so good. Yeah. So what there you are. So, so getting out, I mean, you could be a, a pastor in a church. Have you ever considered doing that? Or have you done that? Or is that part of what you do? Or but It's something I'd examined on the before. Streets. Say again. I'm sorry. It's something I'd examined before. Okay. Um, but the more and more as I examine that, the more that I see that I'm just meant, I'm meant to be in the street context. I'm a... <laughs> Uh, I'm 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 a soldier. I'm a preacher. Um, I'm I'm I grew up on the southeast side. You know I uh, yeah. I'm just I'm meant for that. I'm meant to I'm meant to be with the lowly, with the outcasts. Um, although we do and we do find that in the church. Don't we? I'm a, I'm a lowly outcast as well. Um, but I'm I'm meant to to be in the farmer's field, getting my hands dirty, doing the hard work of the evangelist. Um, and now while a pastor is to do the work of the evangelist, mm -hmm. also. Um, not all the time is the evangelist meant to do the work of the pastor. And so for me, I just see that all my, mm -hmm. especially over the past few years, examining that mm -hmm. more and more did I see that, uh, that I, while, um, that, that I'm just very particular, I'm particularly called to this area. And when I, when I finally really like realized that, um, that's really when I started pursuing full-time street ministry, because, like now I know exactly what I'm called to do. That's, um, so good. And that's, that's to share the gospel in the streets. So. Yep. so you've seen people I'm sure come to faith in Christ. How do you see yeah. them and grow to become disciples and disciple makers? What, 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 what's the process? Once people pray the prayer, accept Christ, yeah. you know, what he's done for them, he's taken their sin on him. They accept that gift, invite him to come into their lives and, and so on. What, what, what are your steps thereafter? Yeah, you know the uh, right the Great Commission uh, when you um, mm -hmm. when you uh, um, when you really when you look at it systematically throughout yeah. the Bible, mm -hmm. um, we see that it's uh, 
to go therefore and preach the gospel to all creation, right. to make disciples of, right. of all nations, yep. um, and to teach them to obey God's commandments. Yes. And so uh, the foundational passage, while I believe that the book of Acts has a lot of descriptions, mm -hmm. um, there are also a lot of applications uh, for us as well and prescriptions. The foundation that I use, and it'll describe what, you, uh, what you're talking about here, uh, is in Acts chapter 2. Okay. We see after uh, we see Peter standing there with the eleven by his side, right? And and he open air preaches. He preaches in the open air yep. uh, to this multitude of people. Mm -hmm. And if you remember, after he preaches the law and the gospel, uh, the the people are struck to the heart, right? And it says that three thousand that day were added to the number. Yes. And so God adds to the number three thousand who are being saved. Mm -hmm. Well, after that, the evangelist, if you will. Uh, he brings them in. They, they're brought into the local church. Yes. And in the local church, we're breaking bread together. Yep. We're uh, um, we're following the apostles' teachings. Mm -hmm. We're worshiping the Lord, and we're gathering daily. And then it says, "And the Lord continued to add to the number as mm -hmm. uh, as we gave up uh, our things, sold all that we had to give to those who were without need mm -hmm. within the body." And so there's some organic evangelism happening there too. But when I talk about that discipleship portion, the evangelist goal is not to simply go there for and preach. He is to go there for and make disciples yes. and bring them into the local church okay. where there's other people with other gifts, where we have pastors, mm -hmm. elders, deacons, lay people with mm -hmm. glorious gifts. Yes. So part of my job too is to see the gifts in the church. Yes. And as people come to repentance and faith, a new creation in Christ, part of that promise is that you're, uh, is a part of my open air preaching is the doctrine of adoption. You're adopted into the family right. of God. And guess That's what? Right. There's a family and we have a lot of houses. <laughs> so come into the house and, and grow there. Um, you know, I'm not called. Now, a lot of times what will happen, though, it's not always that quick. Mm -hmm. Someone might repent, believe, but they're really weary of the church. Yes. And so yes. I disciple during throughout the week. I do house visits. Okay. Um, I go to funerals. I go to, to bedsides. That's to death, great. Death. Um, and I go to those places and, and disciple while we uh, repair the okay. relationship that they should have with the local church. Okay, so that's, um, that's what that looks like. And then we want to carry them to glory um, and, and, and usher them into eternity, into the fullness of the family of God. So. Amen. Amen. Well, what, what uh, you know, our ministry is praying. We've been praying for a number of years for revival, for spiritual awakening. Uh, again, my yeah. background is, is government and, uh, uh, again, government's got a role to play, but uh, the government is a lagging indicator of where our culture is, the health of our culture, and it's not real healthy, but our culture is a lagging indicator of the effectiveness of the church, of us being salt and light, yeah. and so yeah. we, need, we, need, we need to be revived. We in the church need to be fully alive so that we Amen. have a spiritual awakening, but are you, what are you seeing out on the streets? What, what's your sense uh, as far as whether we're moving in that direction of of, a, of another move of God, mighty move of God in America. Yeah. Well, I think that before, typically, and not always, sometimes the Lord does a revival despite the church's worst efforts, you know. Yeah. Um, but but you do see frequently the temperature that I get to get um, is of two things. And over the past 10 years, yes. the two temperatures, one is, yeah, what's going on in the streets, and two, what's going on with uh, the church Yes. In you know in the streets because revival uh, when I say something like uh, if I were to say does your church want to grow in discipleship what should we do the disciple if 
if we want to grow in prayer, what should we do? We should pray. If we want to go grow in converts and evangelizing, we should evangelize. Yeah, exactly. And so uh, oftentimes we're not doing that so much in the local church. Mm-hmm. And uh, not every, and I don't mean uh, individuals organically in their lives. Yes. But what I do mean is that when we have uh, church efforts or we're sending out evangelists mm-hmm. faithfully to call people into the church, um, you know, re- revival will always come. There's one main ingredient, um, the gospel. Right. And that's the gospel prayed. As you said, you're, you pray for it. That's the gospel preached. And that's the gospel um, proclaimed to uh, God's people in the church. And yeah. so the, the church needs to be ready to receive um, people. And, and so yeah. what I see as I'm preaching, we do see the animosity of the world, the flesh and the devil. Those things are at work. Sure. But brother, through the world's compost, God grows beautiful flowers mm-hmm. um, and we get to, we get to pick them and bring them into the church. That's so and good. so, uh, so I think that I see personally for me, I see a resurgence in evangelism. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I praise the Lord that he's used me as a leader in some of those areas. Um, and I've just really rejoiced in that it's been slow, yeah. um, but maybe for the first seven years of me doing evangelism until COVID about, um, there wasn't anybody else really kind of mm. uh, doing a lot, um, but God, by his grace, has raised up other men. And, and a part of my own ministry, seeing that uh, that responsibility, I, I have a street preacher's training course mm. where I'm training yeah. other men okay. to be able to stand up faithfully proclaim. And uh, right, we want to we want to be multi-generational in our thinking, in our ministries, yes. not just it's all about me and what I'm doing, but. Look what God's going to continue to do. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that it seems like we have a resurgence in revival as I've seen a hunger for doctrine in men and women. Yes. Um, for me, that's solid reform doctrine that I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and through that, the closer we get to Jesus in orthodoxy, uh, we should, we should uh, see the result being orthopraxy. We're practicing it. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, some of the, uh, uh, a lot of times the criticisms that we often get is, yeah, we hide ourselves in our Bibles or in our basements or even in the pews. Yeah, yeah. We don't go outside of the four walls of the church with it exactly. uh, when we sh- when we really should. And it's yes. Um, I, I don't mean to to break anybody's uh, business, if you will, but um, but it, it is it is easy to speak of the one who has died for you. Mm-hmm. It does. You don't have to have fine sounding arguments. I agree. Um, it's good to know uh, uh, apologetically. Sure. But that's even that verse starts with set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts. Yes. If, yes. if you have Jesus and you have his gospel, mm-hmm. um, then you have the right to share it. And you should. Yeah, uh, yes. Everybody's called to the Great Commission in one way or another and to use yep. their time, talents yep. and treasures yep. Yep. in that way. So, yeah, um, good. yeah. Good. so I, I see some resurgence going on in the church. And I think a resurgence in evangelism partnered with uh, prayer. Yeah. That's a, that sounds like some good ingredients for revival. But it will always be a move of the spirit. So that's right. Have you God's connected spirit. with this uh, this group of Gen Zs in the Greater Grand Rapids area? They go by the name of Every Heart Movement or Met by Love, and they also were part. They were at the Van Andel Arena a couple Saturdays ago, uh, called the Send. Came to Van Andel. I don't know if you've heard of this or not, but we're yeah, talking, yeah, yeah. there was over ten thousand of these young people who are on fire for Jesus. In fact, the yeah. group here in Grand Rapids, this, this past summer, you'll love this, they sent 70 kids across America from Grand Rapids 
Wow. To <laughs> preach the gospel, they saw 716 people make professions of faith. Wow. Many baptisms wow. and some healings. It's amazing. You really got to connect with these, these kids, I call them. I, I can help you connect with them because. Yeah, I would love that. I would they love would that. love to connect with you. They are on. I mean, I. I, you know, they, I've been a Christian longer than they've been alive. And sometimes when I'm with them, I just get convicted that my passion has died off a bit here. The <laughs> love for the Lord is just overwhelming. And yeah, they just, it's really God. That is the biggest, when they talk to us, they say, look, your prayers, you, you know, older folks are the, have resulted in what is going on in us. It is, yeah. And they are just, it's just so exciting. So, yeah, we'll all connect. Well, I do think them. there's a uh, there's a good, when, when I first joined the service, I had a lot of zeal. Um, yeah. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be a scout. I'm a, yeah. We have a yeah. deployment coming up. Sure. And when I got to my unit, uh, there wasn't as much zeal, but there was a lot of wisdom with men mm -hmm. who'd been in the service for a long time. But these guard units, they were they were a little bit lazy pre 9-11, you know, and yeah. so when we were getting ready to deploy, uh, they didn't have the the physical zeal that I had, but I didn't have the wisdom that yeah. they had. And yeah. what I think that we need is, again, that multi-generational, the, yes. the youth of a zeal, but we need the wisdom of our elders. Yes. And and the, the wisdom of our elders need the youthful zeal that they, when, yes. when the Lord says, don't forget your first love. Yes. Um, I think that coming together uh, makes a beautiful family endeavor to, with zeal and wisdom, go after Jesus and evangelize the lost. I love it. I love it. Because <laughs> like you say, there's many Christians. Uh, in fact, they take surveys. You know, how many of you shared the gospel in the last year? And uh, you know, the numbers are, are minuscule, which is yeah. not the way it's supposed to be. I mean, Jesus didn't just say, okay, I'm just going to talk to the evangelists here in, in the Great Commission. He says to all of his followers, yeah. go, don't, don't play defense. Don't wait for people to come to you. Go. Yeah, go. Yeah. <laughs> go and it's a command, decide. you know, yeah. if you remember Jesus in his high priestly prayer, yeah, I can't think of the passage now, but in his high priestly prayer, prayer uh, he prays, uh, Lord, not for these also, but also for those who will come after them. That's in John 17. With the word. This in John 17, 20 through 23. He prays in four verses three times for us to be one. Yeah. Whether we're amen. reformed or Baptist or whatever. As long yeah. as we're true followers of Christ, he wants us to be one. Amen. Says, May they be to totally one so that the world will know that you sent me and that you <laughs> love them as much as you love me. Amazing yeah. promise as we come together and love each other. I'm in some neat prayer gatherings of very diverse people. I was at one actually this morning. We got, you know, black, white, typically a guy from Vietnam. He's a Vietnamese Christian. Man, amen. Shows up. The mayor of our town shows up. And we we love it. We hug each other at, at, before we start. And we love each other and pray for revival. It's really beautiful. It's it's it, well, not God a, can do that, you know. That prayer that Jesus prayed there, yes. um, right? Will one of Jesus' prayers not be answered? <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying? Like we're part of that. Him. Jesus yes. prayed for us. Yes. So if we're not, if we're not going, I always say there's two things that's happening in with <laughs> the individual. If we're not going yes. to some capacity or don't have the desire to do it, 
Yes. Either A, we need to examine ourselves to see if we're in the faith. Yes. Or B, we're quenching the spirit. Yep. And we shouldn't do that. We shouldn't quench the spirit. Um, right. Jesus prayed for us. So if, if that doesn't give you motivation <laughs> to go, man, I don't know. I don't know what will. So that's right. I agree with you. Totally agree with you. Well, I sure appreciate Todd. I appreciate your heart. Love you, man. It, it's uh, Love good you to too, get brother. to know you. Anything you want to add before we uh, we bring the plane in for a landing here? Oh man, um, I don't know. I, I I've really I've just I've incredibly enjoyed uh, enjoyed the conversation that we're having. The questions you're asking are, are deep. I, maybe something that I would add um, for for the men out there. Every yeah. every man is a uh, um, is a preacher in his own right. Um, every man is a shepherd in his own home, right? Um, right. And I like to tell men that uh, that God, uh, they might say, "Man, I'm just not called to be a street preacher like that." And and I'll say, "Well, God has given you a box by which to preach on, and that's the that's the floor of your home, um, and you have a family. So God, lead them in family worship. Pray for your children often. Proclaim the gospel." preach and teach it uh, within the four walls of your home um, and so that you're effective in the four walls of the church. And yeah. then you'll be effective in the four corners of the earth when you're outside of there. So uh, an encouragement to men there, uh, uh, go on the grace and knowledge of Christ. And, um, and as, as with Paul, do not account your life as any value nor as precious to yourself. Yes. If only you may finish the course and the ministry that you receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. All of right. us are called to testify of that gospel in one way or another. So that is so good. That's from Acts 20, 24. Um, yeah. It's a great scripture. I totally agree with you, brother. That that is so good. And and for men to to take that leadership, you say we, you know, we men want to be respected. And so we the a sinful reaction, a man's sinful reaction to stress is to become passive and pull back. A yeah, woman, it is. A woman's uh, <laughs> sinful reaction to stress is to get her fingernails out and try to control it, and she needs to back <laughs> off. Look at First Peter chapter three. <laughs> so we right, have to yeah, fight that yeah. temptation to become passive and take that bloody step of obedience. Uh, my friend, the yeah, mayor yeah. of our town, he says, "How do you spell faith?" I said, "Well, that's pretty easy." No, he's, he, this is how you spell it: R I S K. When, when God calls you, you step out of the boat, and, uh, and then God will come to you. But we have to encourage one another as men to do that. That was, that was really yeah. excellent. Thanks. Watch yeah, close. time to walk on water, I guess. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Why don't you close us in prayer, Stephen, would you please? Sounds good, brother. Heavenly Father, we come before your throne of grace, and Lord, we do have joy. Um, Lord, we know that it is only by faith, only by trusting in you, Oh, Lord, that uh, that we might have eternal life. And, and we have, Lord, by your saving grace. You have given us these saving graces of repentance toward you, hmm. faith in Jesus Christ. And so as we come before your throne, we know that the only intercessor between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, uh, that he intercedes on our behalf. Hmm. And the Spirit uh, even is able to interpret our grumblings, our prayers, so that they are delivered to you purely, Lord, as you hear them. Uh, thank you for being a heavenly father who we can cast our cares on you because you care for us. You are a leader, a provider, a protector. And, oh, Lord, help us to emulate you. We do pray, Lord, um, for our city, for Grand Rapids, as the gospel is proclaimed in the highways and the byways. 
uh, in the corner of Burton Eastern Lord or outside the local abortion clinics, Lord, or, mm -hmm. or downtown Grand Rapids, uh, Lord, we, uh, we pray. We pray, Lord, that you would continue to save your people, to make dead man walk, uh, because we don't bring a sword that kills people, but we bring a sword that brings dead people to life, Lord. And may we not be remiss to remember that at the cross where Christ died, Lord, that while your wrath was satisfied, that the debt that we owed against you with its legal demands being nailed to the cross, Lord, also you made a public, a public spectacle of the principalities. You crushed the serpent's head as head of your church. And so, Lord, we pray that by your grace, we too would go into the world, not engage in civilian disputes, since our aim is to please the one who has enlisted us, Christ Jesus. Lord, this is warfare, but it is not warfare toward human beings, but a spiritual warfare. And so toward human beings, Lord, we would ask that you would give us uh, with humility toward them, yes. uh, with humility to speak the truth in love mm. with boldness and urgency yes. of your law, your gospel, and the call for sinners to repent and believe and be born again by your spirit to worship you, Lord. Evangelism one day will end. Let us put ourselves out of business, Lord, <laughs> as you call all your people into your glory, where we won't have to evangelize any longer, but we will simply be praising your name in a kingdom unshakable, Lord, That's where true. nothing unclean will ever enter it, and will there will be no need for a son because the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of life and the Lord of glory, will be its lamp. Hmm. Lord, thank you. Hmm. And if there's anybody who's listening today who says, we, I, I hear Randy and I hear Stephen, but Lord, don't you see? I've, I've committed the sins of a hundred worlds. Mm -hmm. I've committed the sins of a thousand worlds, of a million worlds. Oh, Lord, would they hear this? Hmm. That the blood of Jesus and the imputed righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ received by faith alone will mm -hmm. cover them of all of their sins, Lord. That's and right. it will set them free, O Lord. Hallelujah. Set them free and they'll be reconciled to you, dead to sin no longer, but alive in Christ. Mm -hmm. So Lord, save your people. Yes. Save your people, Lord. And may we rejoice that you are the God. You are the God who not only puts his enemies under his footstool, a fearful thing to fall into your hands. But, oh, Lord, it is the most beautiful thing when we are seated at your right hand through Jesus. And, oh, Lord, as Randy mentioned from Psalm 16, that our, um, that our hearts would be glad, our whole beings would rejoice forever, Lord. There is joy in your presence, Lord, forevermore. Amen. In Christ's name we pray and rejoice. Amen. 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 Oh, I love you, fun. brother. Thank you for this having been, me. This has been fun, Stephen. Thanks so much. God bless you, sir. You too. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to grandawakening.org. That's grandawakening.org.